It's now 17 minutes before 4 o'clock, and there's still no answer to the question grabbing headlines around the world. Where is Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi? It is now widely assumed that the U.S.-based Saudi writer is dead. Uh, the allegations are that a Saudi hit team murdered him while he was inside the Saudi consulate in Istanbul. There is international outrage. Some experts say this case has says a lot about the state of human rights in Saudi Arabia. Well, Philip Leach No is a senior fellow at the University of Ottawa's Centre on Governance. Philip, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Hi. Now, we've been watching this story evolve for several days now. Uh, can you catch us up on the latest developments? There was rumours circulating last night and this morning that the Saudis were prepared to admit that uh, Jamal Khashoggi was killed as a result of a botched interrogation. But uh, the latest that I've seen is that uh, Mohammed bin Salman has agreed in this meeting with uh, Mike, Mike Pompeo, or as a result of the meeting, to a full investigation as to, as to what's happened. Whether this results in any new facts or new story, I, I, I do not know, because it is uh, unfolding minute by minute. But it is important to note that both of those lines that they need a full investigation or that he was killed as a result of the botched interrogation are a deviation from the original story that the Saudis put out, that Khashoggi entered the council and then left within two hours. I would be dubious as to, to trust that anything that's coming out uh, from, from official sources, particularly the Saudis, uh, for now anyway. Well, you, you mentioned the crown prince, uh, and some experts say that this case does reveal a lot about the rulers of Saudi Arabia. So, so tell us more about him, that this de facto ruler of the country. He's painted himself as quite the reformer, hasn't he? Yeah, well, there's uh, two ways to look at this. I, I think we shouldn't get confused. There, this is a, a big moment for Saudi Arabia, and the, there is a very clear case for reform. And I, I think a lot of people have caught on to that. This will be the first time whenever Mohammed bin Salman takes over, that the crown has passed from father to son since the first time it did in the modern state, which was from Ibn Saud to his to his son, and then since then it's from brother to brother. So it's the first time in a while it's, it's skipped a gener- or shifted a generation. And also there's a big economic incentive for reform. The, the Saudis depend heavily on oil exports, or so 87% of their budget comes from the export of oil. And they need the, the price of oil to stay very high and to maintain a significant market share. And they're facing significant pressure from fracking, from Canadian oil, and from, from other oil sources around the world. So there's a big need for reform. And uh, Mohammed bin Salman has gained much of his reputation as somebody who has uh, accepted the need to confront this. And he's come out with a vision 2030, which is a, a plan to deal with this. But he's also been very successful in selling himself as a reformer, particularly on on women, uh, on the rights of women and so on, to what I could argue is a fairly gullible West through a, an effective PR sort of regime. But we should make, make, do not make the mistake that his priorities are any different from anybody else uh, in his family. He wants to maintain the, the preservation of, the, of an absolute monarchy within the kingdom, and he wants to maintain Saudi supremacy within the Gulf region. And he's shown in this case and in other cases, particularly with the war, the brutal war in Yemen, that he's prepared to do whatever it takes in order to, to achieve those two goals. And how would you describe you know, the, the current state of human rights in Saudi Arabia? Not so much how I describe it, but almost any serious human rights organization ranks Saudi Arabia as pretty much the worst of the worst or thereabouts. You know, it's right at the bottom of any table. They allow judicial corporal punishment. That's floggings and beatings of prisoners. They torture. 
uh, executes uh, in significant numbers, sometimes public executions, the beheadings and so on. And uh, what we really need to be, we're probably very familiar with here, uh, is that the, the systematic suppression of women and religious minorities, but particularly women. Uh, universities in Saudi Arabia, they're, they're 70% made up of, of, of women. But for, often for social reasons and from through this suppression, women only make up 5% of the workforce. So that tells you really clearly what role women are seen as playing in society. And there have been recent reforms, for instance, the lifting of a ban on women driving and some levels of representation in a not very representative system. But it's still deeply oppressive, and it's sometimes even referred to as a gender apartheid. So state of human rights in Saudi Arabia is pretty much abysmal. Well, we've been hearing uh, about several countries' responses or lack of response to, uh, to the current story in Saudi Arabia and Turkey. Remind us, what's going on with Canada's standoff with Saudi Arabia over human rights? Well, in August this year, uh, Ministry of Global Affairs uh, set out these tweets that, uh, in support of Rafe Badawi and, and, uh, and Sister Samara, who are, who, who are human rights activists. This is not unusual. You know, the Western governments will frequently say things about Saudi human rights, and you know, occasionally you get a bit of a backlash, but nothing maybe particularly significant. But in this case, Saudi Arabia went ballistic, basically. It, it pulled out all the stops. It accused Canada of interfering in its internal affairs. It declared its ambassador persona non grata and withdrew the Saudi ambassador from Ottawa and uh, suspended new trade, banned students from studying at Canadian universities and so on. And uh, what's really significant, in this case, Canada had no support, basically, from its traditional allies. The British said nothing. The Americans said nothing at all. The French, I think, said there was some minor comment or statement. But it goes to show you that there is no unity in the West when confronting Saudi Arabia, essentially because we're very dependent on Saudi Arabia, not just for oil, but because it's seen as a bulwark against Iran and it's very close uh, security and intelligence relations between pretty much all the Western allied countries and and the Saudis. And what do you see over the long term, I mean, in terms of Saudi's uh, human rights picture? Well, I'm, I'm not optimistic, to say the least. What we have here is an absolute monarchy with a long history of being very brutal. It basically, it deals with it, people who don't like it two ways. It either buys them off or, or brutally oppresses them. It's losing its ability to buy them off, or at least that's getting more difficult. And it's facing a slowly unfolding crisis. So I don't see a great deal of hope, not for any dramatic changes in the short term. And even sort of in potentially in the long term, I think you could see a more and more breakdown of the, the system that might, I suppose, end up in a good place. But as it breaks up, I could see much more uh, horrifying results uh, emerging from that. Oh, dear. Uh, Philip, uh, we appreciate your, your expertise on this this afternoon. Uh, we will continue to watch for updates. Thank you very much. Thank you.